HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Where are all the smart women in New York City in the wine and food world going to be on Sunday? Find out in this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It is Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., I'm sitting in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and that means one thing. That means it is time for Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that technology in food is girl-powered by some of my fellow Heritage Radio Network co-hosts in the booth today. I'm actually really excited. Here's a tip. The best way to see really busy people that you like is to invite them onto your radio show. (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) Sitting with me here in studio, we have Carrie Diamond, one of the founders of Cherry Bomb Magazine. Hi, everybody. How are you? And sitting next to her, we have Claudia Wu, who is her co-founder. Hello. And not only do they have the magazine, they have Cherry Bomb Radio, which is on Thursdays on Heritage at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So the magazine has been around for a while. It's beautiful. You have episode six on the newsstands right now, which we're going to really talk about because it's an amazing issue, inclusive of an article written by me. <laughs> well, that, yeah, it's the best one so far. <laughs> and that led to a great episode of Radio Cherry Bomb, thanks to you. Yeah, it was, it's a fantastic episode with a woman named Margaret Braun, who is a sugar artist, wedding cake artist extraordinaire. She wrote a beautiful book called Cakewalk. And Margaret has been like cake diva sugar artist around the way for a long time. She's also just an insanely unique human being. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And these ladies are so buttoned up on their radio show. The print happened because I suggested Margaret as to be a guest on your show. And you're like, we're already booked, but you can put it in the magazine. <laughs> so it worked out. So we got both print and radio. It was a win-win. 
The interesting thing that I've noticed about, um, I mean, there are, of course, many differences between the print version and then the radio version of Cherry Bomb, but you don't have a lot of digital archiving for the magazine. <laughs> and it's print, <laughs> right? Zero. And it's have beautiful. Like zero you have zero. Archiving. Did you see any digital archiving? No. Should we no. be on the show? I know. I but feel the like radio, because it's digital and because it's on iTunes and it's the internet and it's on the radio and it's on the website for the network, this is archived and it'll be archived for a long, long time. Do you think about the juxtaposition between... Oh, God, we think about it all the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's something that we should have, but we just don't have the time or manpower to do it. Well, I actually think it's okay I, that you don't. And I kind of like that you don't because I like the if you've never seen an issue of Cherry Bomb, I encourage you to go to some fine retailer that sells quality reading materials and pick one up. They're really beautiful. They're heavy. They're thick. It's beautiful paper. They're colorful. They're visual. They're yeah. stylish. We do have e-commerce. We might not. Uh, we might. We might not be that on it in terms of having content online, but we do have e-commerce uh, powered by Shopify. Which I, I don't know if you've ever had anybody from Shopify on the show, but that changed our lives when we started to work with Shopify. They have such a beautiful website and backend. So talking about tech, there's. It's interesting because we are print only, and. We just didn't want to do a website when we launched. It wasn't, I mean, yes, we didn't have the time or the money to do it, but I also think we didn't have the interest in doing it then yeah. because we make, when, we ha- when we're interested, we managed to make things happen. Yeah, and I also think the print magazine is so beautiful on its own. It, it wouldn't really translate that well to a digital format. So if we ever did something digital, it would have to be something probably, you know, that would fit that medium. I think what we do is like, very suitable for print because it's like luscious photographs and it's very visual and, um, and Claudia, it's good to hold. Claudia being the art director and visual component to Carrie's editorial component, the layout is so critical to how you you consume the information itself on the two pages and the bits and pieces of you know an idea and then quotes and little things and sometimes just seeing the image. There are some things that are kind of collagey, which I really like. That it w- you're absolutely right that it would be completely different on my phone it does take a village of tech though to to make every issue of of cherry bomb i mean just from literally our laptops to our iphones to um all the back-end tech things we use to to bring the magazine to life to distribute the magazine it is interesting it's and it's fascinating you know whether it's shopify like i mentioned or mailchimp or Food 52's back-end system, like all these different things contribute to the magazine actually existing. It is pretty amazing that I don't know that you can really function in the business world and media world without some form of technology. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably impossible. Carrie was telling me, you know, I've pretty been pretty jet-lagged because I went away to Asia, and she was like, oh, someone told me that you can't look at your phone three hours before you go to bed because it disrupts your REM cycle and i was like what yes (laughs) is that possible that's true is it true yeah it's true um i've read different things and heard different numbers in terms of the time the time the window i've heard the recommendation that you should earnestly try to not pick up your phone or look at a screen an hour (laughs) from one hour when you wake up in the morning Oh, really? To one hour before you go to bed. Ugh. Because the pulses and the electrics and the type of light... Just screwed. It 
sort of recalibrates everything. On the sleeping side, it's supposed to re interfere with the natural circadian rhythm of like seeing light and waking up and your sleep cycle. Mm. So if you can do that an hour on each end, start small. Do you? I do. Oh, wow. I do. And I also um, recently, at the end of last year, I think, moved the phone out of the bedroom Mm. because you're also supposed to try and sleep with it at least six feet away from you because (laughs) of the... We both have studios. That's... (laughs) Because of the, um, you know, like the 5G ultralight network that's like booming all the the signals all over. That's also booming through your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I try. Great. It takes some getting used to, though. I had to switch to a paper to-do list and a paper calendar. Oh. So I could, before I go to sleep, I sort of go through my list and my things to do on paper And then in the morning when I'm having my coffee and I'm trying to hit that 60 minutes where I'm not looking at anything, I, you know, sort of do my notations and my getting my day started with paper. My problem is I'm a voracious reader and I take the F train every day. I pretty much live on the F train. And the F train is so crowded that I couldn't really read paper books, printed any printed matter anymore. So I started reading books on my phone and have gotten very used to that and like to read before I go to bed. So I think Maybe I need to switch, switch for home. I yeah. also started in a sort of weird effort to spend less time on the screen and also be more uh, conscientious in terms of the environment and everything. I stopped buying books about a year ago and I go to the library. Huh. Oh, that's good. I, and I, I use books, the um, on hold feature to sort of create, you know, the list of books that I want to read. And sometimes I, I have to wait a little bit of time before they become available and they deliver them to my branch. I do. I, I mean, we're, I don't want to speak for Claudia, but we're pretty obsessed with printed things. And, you know, I collect, I have all my domino magazines from the Deborah Needleman days. I have a million cookbooks. I, I have some first editions. I just, I love books. I mean, I don't collect anything except books. So it would pain me not to buy them. But um, I need to plug that book I'm reading that I'm obsessed with right now because I bought the digital edition and I am dying to buy the print edition because you it's keep so it. beautiful. I want to keep mm-hmm. it and read it again. Uh, the Queen of the Night oh. by Alexander Chi. Is anybody reading that? No. Oh, it's it's so dazzling. If you like fiction slash historic fiction, it's about an opera singer. Oh, in uh, the, so France the title's the from end. the Mozart. Yes, song from, from the end. Uh, she's in, the in Paris at the end of the empire. Mm, that sounds good. It's great. Maybe we should start a book club. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> analog <laughs> or digital? <laughs> analog, I think. Right, or both, or both. Well, the archive, the archive piece to me is interesting about what you're doing and the work that you're doing in terms of people saving the issues, but then being able to download and save digitally forever your radio, you sort of hit a middle ground when you get to the Jubilee, though, correct? Because you have the real-life experience, which people are crazy for, and it's been sold out. So I'm sorry, ladies, if you're excited by listening to this, you're going to have to wait for the content to become available or streamed or something like that, or maybe check out LA, which we can talk about also. You have the real-life experience for the conference itself, but you are recording it and capturing it and then archiving that also. Yeah, we need to do a better job. But for now, Heritage has been really nice and they um, record all the talks and panels. And we, for the last year, uh, in 2015, we we broadcast some of the highlights mm-hmm. on Radio Cherry Bomb. So 
But to be honest, not everything translates. And I think that goes back to what you started this with. You know, we don't put content on print. Um, we, we're big believers in each medium being what it's meant to be, you know, and the magazine is meant to be something that you pick up and you look at and, and it's about print. And like Claudia said, whatever digital execution we wind up doing, it won't be just putting the content in the magazine on the website because that just wouldn't make sense. And the same way the radio is very much its own thing. Um, and the conference is very much its own thing. And there were definitely some panels and talks that we recorded that did not translate on radio. And I think you just have to accept that you can't just replicate. You can't just replicate things just because it works in one medium does not mean it will work in another. Why didn't they work? Uh, because they were they were designed. Was it because they had audience participation, or the speakers were very visual, or it had a visual component to it, or I think because you know when you we're more sophisticated audiences now, and I think when you listen, everybody loves podcasts now. So when you listen to podcasts, you expect a certain something, and when you're standing on stage speaking the 425 people, maybe you're pacing the audience. You know, people don't. People aren't addressing the audience thinking, I need to be super tight and polished because this is going to run on radio. And if I'm not super tight and polished, you know, you think of like the TED Talks. I think when people go and do a TED Talk, it's a very rehearsed thing. They know they're being recorded for radio and for video. But I think when you're up there and you're not focused, when you're really just focused on communicating to the audience in front of you and you're not thinking about the potential worldwide digital audience, it's it's different. I think it's more natural. I think it's slightly more authentic. It's interesting. Do you envision having a video component? Video might get you closer. I mean, that would get one closer to the experience. You could participate in at least seeing some of the pacing or the activity or the visual, the hand-waving while people talk kind of thing. It's something that maybe for the future, I think in the venue that we hold it in, which is the Highline Hotel, it has such amazing natural light. But um, for video, I feel like that's a different set of lighting concerns. So I would have not necessarily thought about that, which is, which is props to your <laughs> completely visual way of viewing things. Yeah, so... In that space, I think it would kind of ruin the ambiance if we put up, like, heavy lighting for video. So maybe... I also think you'd be acting for the video and Mm. not for the audience. It's the same as radio. You know, it's super nice to come and just be really chill about the radio show and not worry about what are we wearing. (laughs) You know, oh, it's raining. My hair's frizzy today. You know, you you just kind of get to be yourself and not have to worry about those things that, you know, sometimes you worry a lot about. My primary concern in terms of my wardrobe when I'm on the radio in this facility is comfortable pants, because what listeners don't know is that the chairs are very low slung. <laughs> they really are. So they're low slung chairs, and the mics and controls are kind of around a makeshift coffee table-like object. So you're sitting really low, and if you do not have pants that are comfortable, it's really going to cut into you and make you have less of a good voice. <laughs> Actually, you know what I thought? Jen was going to say about comfortable pants because we're at Roberta's also. And well, there's if that you're eating also. pizza, you want, you know, I don't know, maybe pants with elastics on them. Yes, you should not wear black tights uh, in this room because God only knows, it's all wood. God only knows what you would snag yourself 
on. Sorry, Jack, is Jack laughing at us or yeah. engineer? The last time Jack wore I am black wearing tights. white. I am wearing white corduroys though. So I always wear black tights here. You can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what Jack really wears in the in the control booth? Um, but you know. I was thinking, even though we're not doing, <laughs> we're not the world's most technologically advanced conference, and it's it's for a reason, and not just because we're too lazy or too too short staffed to actually. We weren't born uh, <laughs> early, like later enough to so do long. that. I think um, it's not the focus of what it is. No, it's, it's not a, the focus. It's a of what real it is, life, in person experience. Exactly. It's it's really about the networking and this is year three and we've you know we spend a lot of time talking about what jubilee is and what it needs to be and what people want it to be and i think for all the great things technology has done for our lives it's also really complicated our lives in other ways and like you were joking slash not joking you know if you want to see your busy friends and write them on your radio show it's sort of the same thing with the conference you know nothing i think we've come to realize that Nothing is more helpful if you're a woman in this business than your network. And the way our lives are, whether you've got kids or multiple businesses or just one business you're struggling with, life ain't easy today. And when you put all these people in one room, like we love nothing more than hearing that people connected about a work thing or that they made friends. You know, we had Aaron and Agatha from Ovenly on the show last week. And afterwards, they were telling us how they became friends with Amy Guitard from The Chocolate Company. And we love... I don't even remember how we met Amy. Was it through the conference, maybe? Oh, my God. I have no idea. Probably, right? Otherwise, how else would... Or is Claudia just secretly stalking all the chocolate people? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That could be. But that really... Famous for her chocolate. That, you know, I think it's the bringing of everyone together that's really important. And people probably don't necessarily believe us when we say this, but... We've got great speakers, you know, like Martha Stewart, the Hemsley sisters, on and on and on. But we really believe the audience is as important as the people on the stage. So how do you get good audience? I mean, these your events sell out very rapidly, quickly, Mm -hmm. um, almost before they even go public. How do you get good audience? That's a problem. Especially today. (laughs) I think I think the Cherry Bomb Jubilee has a such a specific focus and point of view that it makes it different from a lot of the other events and conferences that have sprung up over the last, say, four, you know, two, three, four, five years. I feel like with the tech industry, tech has been really responsible for driving a lot of new conferences, starting with the whole flash mob evolving into a meetup evolving into a conference and with ted talks and you know entrepreneurs and the pitch off and all that kind of stuff there's a lot of events right now and a lot of conferences that are vying for people's time and in new york city especially around the you know our age demographic food and media with a little bit of tech on the fringe there's a couple of conference slash events every weekend starting in March and going through basically until summer. But you guys manage to fill it up and sell it out and get good audience. So how do you do that? I think, like you said, our focus is very specific. So I do tend to think we attract a certain kind of person, um, most likely female and, you know, entrepreneurial or, or you know, in the food world um that has 
has similar values to the magazine and, and what we stand for. But we do kill ourselves to make sure that that every dime of that $225 ticket is worth yeah. what you spend. I mean, when I, I always worked in fashion, and when we first started Cherry Bomb, I started getting invited to food things, and I was amazed at how many food events and conferences that happen all the time. And I was like, and I wondered, like, who's the audience for this, you know? But people in New York love food. I don't know. And we make sure that the food is as beautiful as the content on the stage. And sometimes that's missing from food conferences. What people don't realize is New York makes that hard because you can't (laughs) always, you sometimes have to make sacrifices. If you've got a space that has a beautiful theater and great comfy seats and totally kitted out AV wise, they are probably very controlling about the kind of food that you can have. That's why we do it at the Highline Hotel every year. They've been gracious about us letting letting us bring in really great food peeps you know this year we have dimes doing um a networking breakfast with american express we have diggin doing the lunch and diggin if you've been there they've been doing beautiful food we did a show with adam eskin who is the ceo of diggin uh it was a one-off sort of workshop project called The B-Side, where the idea was to talk to people in the food world about other things they're passionate about. And this episode is called Fighting Foodies, because Adam practices Muay Thai, Thai kickboxing. Uh-huh. So we had him on with some other people talking about how he does kickboxing. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's a good episode. It's on the Tech Bites feed. It's called The B-Side, Fighting Foodies. Oh, we have Foodies. to check that out. Yeah. The, the part where... where not that we're we we're psyched about every aspect of it, but you want to talk about snack break? We're super psyched about snack, snack break. break. Uh, we try we we tried to do something new this year where we paired, um, you know, girls who are bakers or bloggers who don't have an established uh, bakery of their own with other people who do. So it's like four and twenty sort of blackbirds like with like a bakery break mentor mini mentorship yeah, with your coffee almost and, almost and and they got to do things that aren't available anywhere else. So, you know, people who come to Jubilee are in for a treat. So it's like Ovenly we paired with, uh, I can't Yossi. Remember, Yossi Arafi from Apartment 2B. Um, and she also has a new book out called Sweeter Off the Vine. Um, Four and Twenty Blackbirds we paired with our friend Diana Yen, who has the Jewels of New York food consultancy. Um, and Erin McKenna we paired with Justine D, who's like a DJ, classically trained French uh, baker, you know, like everybody is. Yeah. Right, of course. <laughs> um, but that's going to be, but that's be sort so, of a one-off really thing that you just won't be able to experience. And that's a, you know, whole, that's a whole segment of programming just to curate the break to mm-hmm. such a level. I mean, that's orchestrating. We should mention we didn't a, do it alone. The a whole, dozen matchups. El, Ellie Truesdell, who is the, uh, the forager for Whole Foods, <laughs> she's got really great relationships in that kind of indie world. You know, we also have Anita's Yogurt. Uh, Salvatore, Brooklyn. uh, Brooklyn's ricotta. Um, so a lot of moving parts to that. So it was nice to have a partner in that respect, but you know, that's a, that's a whole another aspect of it. So there's the networking, there's bringing people together. You know, these women all admire each other, but there just aren't necessarily the events they can participate in or enough hours in the day to get together and do these kind of fun one-off collaborations. Enough hours in the day. Truth. (laughs) Well, coming off of the snack break discussion, this is a perfect time for us to take a little break to hear some music and find out who our amazing sponsors are that help us keep the lights on. 
And this is the Kuyo remix of Creek Time by Odetta Hartman. We will be right back on Radio Cherry Bomb. Hi, this is Peter Kim, the executive director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. We're a nonprofit founded by Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues here on the Heritage Radio Network. And we want to take people on a learning adventure through the world of food. We just opened MOFAD Lab, our gallery space at 62 Bayard Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are currently showing flavor, making it and faking it. Flavor features some very cool sensory interaction. Flavor tablets deliver tastings of vanilla and umami. And the Willy Wonka-inspired smell synth lets you compose over half a million different flavors. So come on by and visit MoFad Lab. We're open five days a week, and tickets are $5 for kids and $10 for adults. Learn more about the Museum of Food and Drink at mofad.org. Have you listened to A Taste of the Past? It's a show devoted to connecting our current food world with its storied past. Host and culinary historian Linda Palaccio welcomes chefs, scientists, authors, scholars, and revolutionaries into the studio to discuss food culture and history from around the globe. Have you seen the culture of food change over the past 25, 30 years? It's been incredible. Linda covers content ranging from the history of black chefs in the White House to behavioral psychology and the evolution of Italian food in America. You can listen to A Taste of the Past anytime on HeritageRadioNetwork.org or on iTunes and Stitcher. Well, if you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we are talking about some of the awesome women who stand at that intersection. We have in studio with us Carrie Diamond and Claudia Wu, co-founders of Cherry Bomb Magazine, hostesses with the mostesses of Radio Cherry Bomb on Thursdays at 1 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org, and production curator, event programmers of the Cherry Bomb Jubilee getting ready to kick off this weekend. We also have some helpers. We should thank Christina Knowlton, who's, who's helping us for, she's part of the Jubilee team, year three. Year three. Does it seem like three or 300? Does it seem like number one all over again? No, it seems like three. Yeah, three is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It feels like we've been doing Cherry Bomb for a million years, but it, it, it like each issue of the magazine takes so much out of you. <laughs> Sorry, Claudia. It really takes so much out of you. And uh, Jubilee, in a, in a weird way, is e- I find it easier than doing an issue of the magazine, if that's... Yes, I would, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I struggle. I, the magazine's hard. It gets harder and harder. It every does. Issue. It does. What gets harder about it? Everything. 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 It's just, I think, you know, instead of instead of it it being like, okay, we've done six issues now, who's left to put in the magazine? The opposite has happened. Like it has exposed us to so many people doing incredible things in this industry, worthy of writing about and getting attention that 
it's painful to narrow it down every issue. So it's a deluge now that you have to deal with controlling more than bringing people in. Absolutely. You have that restaurant problem where it's like, we have no seats. What do we do? Reservations at 5 and 11. Yeah, same with Jubilee. We have... (laughs) <laughs> we have to get a bigger venue next year. <laughs> we need a bigger boat. But do, we you, are, do you want it to be bigger? Do you want to have 1,000 mm. people coming? Do you want to have 5,000 people over a weekend? Is no. there something that's, that's intimate question. about it? I mean, at a certain point, if we use the restaurant analogy, just because mm-hmm. we're in a restaurant and restaurant people listen to this show, sometimes a chef doesn't want to do 1,000 covers a day. You know, there's Balthazar, which is basically open 20 20 hours a day, they do thousands of people. Yeah, it's a machine. And then it's a machine and it really works. But then you have something like, you know, Contra, and they're not built to do that. And I don't think they want to. And that's okay. I would like to be able to be kind of in between. Maybe like 500 people would be okay, max. We're just so tight in that space right now. And so many people have been emailing us for tickets. It's, it's tough to turn some of them away, especially if some of them are contributors and good friends. It, it, it does get kind of painful. It is something we grapple with a lot. I think we have some solutions on the horizon. I don't know if they'll happen this year or next year, but we are talking about maybe turning New York Jubilee into a two-day event so that more people can attend. We would probably have fewer people each day. Because I do think it can get too unwieldy and doing nice food for everybody and, and, you know, just making it a nice conference where you can come and network with the people you want and eat the nice food. And um, we'd probably scale it back slightly and do it over two days. We're talking about other cities, like you had alluded to Los Angeles. We would love to do something out there. And we probably will do a Jubilee in San Francisco this year. We're also talking about a a much bigger conference that would be over the course of a weekend that would be more about entrepreneurs, much cheaper ticket price. That's that's another thing we really struggle with. You know, the the salaries in this industry are so terrible. Um, well, not terrible. I mean, they the the food the restaurant industry is tough, and the food business is tough. And so and it's publishing and PR and marketing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would pay two hundred and twenty five dollars to go to someone else's conference. <laughs> yeah. I would. I would. Claudia might not, but um, but think of the snacks. Oh God! <laughs> if they Corn. feed you, not all conferences uh, yeah. feed you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, it's true. You know. They don't. Um, so yeah, we we grapple with this a lot. We we have noticed what um, the Mad Symposium does, and I guess like a year or two ago, I don't think they had a conference last year, but I guess two years ago they went to sort of a curated guest lineup, and you know that's definitely an option. But so curated guest lineup, which sounds a little new, is where people apply to come, and then they the event holders look through the applications and decide based on some complex algorithm <laughs> who gets to come and who doesn't our complex algorithm would be eeny meeny miny mo because there because there are so many deserving people like how do you decide this person is deserving versus versus that person yeah. but then if you were to narrow it down by whatever your personal algorithm is then you send the email saying congratulations you now have the privilege of buying a ticket to come to our conference i there's, I, I, can, I could see both sides to that coin. Absolutely. I could see both sides to the coin in terms of 
you know, people from all over the country, wow, it would be great. Hey, look, somebody from Australia wants to come. We should definitely make room for them. If they really want to come here that badly, you know, that would be great. Or, you know, so there's, I can see a lot of things in the plus column. I can also see things in the not plus minus column, which is just, uh, it it would breed discontent, I think, inevitably. And then it would also give a veneer of, and I say veneer because not necessarily intended or actual, but a veneer of kind of like douchey exclusivity. <laughs> I was going to use the D word, but yeah, I checked yeah, the explicit you, box on iTunes. You can use the D word. You, I think it would make us feel kind of exclusionary jerky. versus yeah. the inclusionary yeah. feeling of cherry bomb. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is. It, you can volunteer, you know, there, there are plenty of people who didn't buy tickets in time who, who figure out other ways to get in. You know, we do get a lot of people who email us about volunteering. We do have a waiting list and a few people have, have gotten tickets through the waiting list. It's not easy, but, um, but I do think the solution moving forward will be more conferences, maybe smaller ones, different ones, bigger, cheaper ones. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it yeah. out. I mean, we could just get a slightly bigger venue, and that would help. Um, but just a reminder to every, or just a, a note to everyone for next year, to get sold out the same day. So if you get an email from us, just you know respond check, to keep it. checking your e- inbox. Think twice <laughs> before you hit that opt out button if you exactly. want to go to the Jubilee. Exactly. Um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's we're, it's it's we're honored that people want to come to this conference. It's it's a good problem to have. We'd be here crying, giving away free tickets if it was the opposite. Uh, but we, I think, more than anything, Claudia and I are like shocked. Next month will be three years for Cherry Bomb, and just the fact that we've been able to meet and celebrate as many incredible women as we have, I. I you know, plenty of people do projects and nothing comes of it. And the fact that, that this is where we are now with Cherry Bomb, um, we're grateful. And we'd like to, I don't know. There's a, there's, I don't know. I'll stop well, there. I, I'll, 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 I'll add on to that and say, not only did you have a personal project that was successful, that has continued and grown and evolved, But you also had a project that has become a big enough platform to support other people, which I think is great because not everyone's business model or mentality or point of view is to build something great and then build something great that can support other people. And I think that that's maybe why you sell out in a day or maybe why people are so interested because, you know, you, as you said, you throughout the course of the last half hour as we're talking about this you're mentioning a lot of names of people from the people you work with to the people you discover who are going to come and contribute and you know yeah there's a lot of conferences and speakers and videos and things like that to watch online but when you think about if they're a platform that other people can pile onto and and then be carried along with it there aren't quite as many as of those and i think those are are really special um, a lot of times I think our, our purpose first and foremost is cheerleader. Yeah. You know, that doesn't necessarily sound like the most feminist job description, although um, I think cheerleaders are amazing and super athletic and, 
just I think as... it depends on how short the skirt is, no. how much <laughs> feminism you can dial well, up. I don't or know down. if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that. They 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 work hard, um, but I I do think a big part of our job description these days is as cheerleader. Yeah, for these women in the industry. Yeah, I mean, Cherry Bomb is a great platform for people who who wouldn't necessarily get press anywhere else. Um, I think there are so many amazing women out there. Um, it's just, you know, like Carrie said before, it's hard to kind of narrow that down. But, um, you know, I met I met Cecil, or the, sh- the owner of Cecil in Harlem, and he was like, you know what, all the girls in my kitchen want to be in Cherry Bomb. That's all they talk about. And I was like, <laughs> that's so sweet, you know, and it's it's nice to have something that, Let's start with, he said, all the girls in my kitchen. Let's start there, right? <laughs> yeah. Girls might be our word. We use the word girls. No, but that I mean, the fact that word. he has women in his kitchen, oh, yeah, like, yeah, that absolutely. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and that more the and women more. who are working there. I mean, one of the, one of the panels, I mean, we're, I'm excited about all the panels, truly. But one of the panels that I think will be really fun for everybody is the chef panel this year. And it's called New York's Next Wave. And I don't really think we realized until we put this panel together what a great moment it is for women in the kitchen in New York right now. You know, you've got five of the hottest restaurants in New York City that either have women running the kitchens or they're they're owning the places. Um, you've got Chloe Coscarelli, who's the chef and partner in By Chloe, which was an overnight sensation, the vegan restaurant in the village. You've got Dimes. Uh, chef Alyssa Wagner is coming. She just had a baby. Uh, so she owns her place. She's the chef. She's got a great business partner. She'll be telling us how she does it. Um, Adrian Cheatham from Red Rooster Harlem. I had no idea Marcus's uh, executive chef was a woman. I was really psyched to find that out. We've got Emma from uh, from Aquavit, who was the second woman in the country to get two Michelin stars on that panel. Who am I forgetting? Angela from Mission Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also the executive chef and, and the reason why the food is so delicious there. She's, she's amazing. And, and a lot of these women are, um, you know, I think they're trying to change the culture in the kitchen. You know, I don't know if a, a kitchen run by a woman is necessarily different from one run by a man, but I, I would say unequivocally. Yes. yes. <laughs> but you know what, Claudia, we also have, Right before that, Mimi Sheraton is is speaking, and Mimi's going to be talking about what it was like when she was reviewing restaurants for the New York Times, and Mimi said, you know what, I have to go back and look at all my reviews. I don't know if I reviewed a single restaurant that had a female chef. So I think that shows us how far we've come that we can have a panel of five really kick-ass chefs with successful at very successful places and very different places. And I think it, it show you know, if there are young women listening to that panel or in the audience, you know, it's all about, it's all about role models. It's all about, you know, believing the opportunity exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you don't see someone doing that, you have nothing that would make you think it's possible. So I think these women are really great examples of people, you know, so we know, we know that there are lots of amazing women in the food world, outside the food world, adjacent to the food world, media, publishing, wine, amazing wine women. You do the uh, design for Jordan Salcido's wines, which are one of my personal favorites and also beautiful. What's sort of the next evolution of that conversation? Because we're all, you know, there's, I think, a, a, a loud voice of, hey, women are here too, and we're doing a lot of amazing work that started 
I'm going to drop the pinpoint at that whole, you know, gods of cooking cover, which was a few years ago. And I think we sort of had that initial uproar of, hey, we're here. We're doing it, too. What are we talking about now? This is another thing we talk about <laughs> a lot at, at Cherry Bomb headquarters. I think the next phase for us is not the he versus she conversation anymore. It's, okay, what are women doing to move things forward? And what are we doing to make our our workplaces and our jobs more family-friendly? You know, the big issue, I don't think the glass ceiling relates so much anymore to being a woman. I think it relates to being a mom. And I think once you have children, good luck. Good luck. And figure it out on your own because nobody else is figuring it out for you. I think we all have to be talking about that and figuring out solutions. I think we have to look at, you know, why is it still really hard for women to get money in this industry to, to move their businesses forward? I think it's 7% of venture capital funds, right, Claudia, go to women. Um, are we asking for, are, are enough of us out there asking for the venture capital funds? You know, what's the, what's the reason that it's as dismal as 7% um, better wages, in this industry equal pay equal pay well that's been going on since yeah. since the dawn of time practically yeah. but but for the issues that are very they're particular to humans but that are really particular to women you know now that we're in charge more and more what are we doing to make things better so i saw a little something a while back on social media i think it was twitter when the initial cherry Jubilee lineup, Cherry Bomb Jubilee lineup came up and it was somebody saying, hey, you know, like, how about some men? And I think you were... I think that was Ben Leventhal. It was Ben Leventhal. <laughs> and I think you replied you that... You, his identity? Well, I was trying to be, you know... Yeah, so Ben Leventhal was like, hey, Carrie Diamond, how about putting some men on the panel? And Carrie said, we tried. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that till 24 hours later because my, my Yahoo job had just ended and I had to return my iPhone. So I actually <laughs> wasn't on, on Twitter as much as I normally would be. So like... 24, 36 hours later, I get online and I'm like, oh, oh boy. And now what, there's a gap. What a time happened? Gap. But I think to that point, um, the things that you're talking about, and in New York City, New York State this week, there have been some interesting discussions and changes about paid family leave, which affects men also. You can understand why women are the driving force behind a lot of these things because it's a direct impact, but it affects men and it affects family so at what point does this mission bring on board some male foot soldiers to help the cause because they're impacted by the cause and do you see it do you see see a guy on the cherry bomb panel at some point or curating a small male contingency i don't (laughs) i can't speak for claudia but my feeling is guys you had hundreds of years to (laughs) <laughs> to fix all this and you didn't touche touche this really yeah. scary weird world that we're existing in and you know you weren't getting it done you you know you think it's totally fine for women to work for nine months and then to pop out a kid and then have to go back to work right away and not have you know any kind of great child care or and that was you that could be you flexible you know work balance, whatever, you know, shared jobs. Guys had a really long time to figure this out, and they didn't. Well, certain yeah. countries have. I think I mean, Ameri- America. America has not yet. And if anybody thinks Donald Trump's going to come up with a solution to all of this, you're crazy. But... Man can't even control his hair. How's he going to run a country? <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, uh, I think we're both going... I think 
everybody's going to have to come together to find these solutions. But I do think that this is something that we're going to cherry bomb is going to wade into over the next, you know, into the next few years, because it's, it's, it's nice to put out a beautiful magazine that celebrates women, but these are issues that we really can't just, you know, sweep under the carpet. Do you envision a more political, socially driven side to Cherry Bomb? Maybe another publication? Maybe something in around the no. elections? Kerry's going to run for president. <laughs> <laughs> I think just the fact that we exist is political, to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. So no men on the panel then? We, the have, we, we have asked guys. And, you know. Yeah, Andrew Knowlton pitched us an idea for a panel or pitched us something and then didn't follow through. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> Andrew. Ouch. You We're gonna have, you're you're going to have to call Andrew and apologize. That was a long time ago. Um, no, I mean, it's been a combination of, yes, some guys have pitched things to us. And then when we were like, okay, hey, what, you know, let's make this happen, they, they disappear. For some guys, it's been a pure, purely a scheduling thing. Um, but you know what? We, we are what we are. We, right. When we launched, we said we were all about celebrating women in this industry. And, you know, nobody's trying to get Vogue to be a sports magazine. You know, we are what we are, and we're we're fine with that. And then going Anna back- Winter does cover a lot of sports, though. No, no, no <laughs> but you know what I mean. She, nobody's like, you should be ESPN. Right, right. You know, well, but or, I mean, Yoji Yamamoto makes sneakers, and Beyonce makes okay, bad example. Let me, uh, Roger Federer has been on the all cover. All right, all right, all right. Bad example. <laughs> but, but you, you know, we, we set out to be one thing, and we're sticking to what we are. It's, you know, a lot of people want you to be a lot of different things. But I think if you don't stick to what you set out as your reason for being the core values, it's easy to get distracted. Well, and I think it goes back to the conversation we had at the top of the show of, you know, the great audience that you have and how it sells out and, you know, the participants and the feeling part of that feeling that you have and part of that audience demographic is, I mean, we all know when we are with our people amongst ourselves and the outsiders are outside, you have a very different, relaxed, you know, fun, cool vibe than you do if you're, you know, mixed with, you know, your people in the gen pop. And however you define your people, it could be, you know, people who love one sports team all at Mm -hmm. the football game together, all at the bar together. It could be, you know, the ladies of Cherry Bomb. It could be, you know, restaurant owners or whatever the case may be. But I think once you start to add things in, it would change the dynamic. Um, differently, Maybe that's something to think about as you think about expanding it. Maybe you have one function where it is mixed yeah. and then whatever that means. And then, you know, the traditional part of the conference well, is guys the traditional are welcome. part. You bring up something funny. Guys are welcome to buy tickets. Do they? They don't. Uh, some of them do. Some of them do. You can count on one hand how I many think guys. I saw five people last year. Five yeah. men. Which yeah. was more than year one. <laughs> no, but I'd be interested in knowing what, how people would feel if there was a guy panelist or a guy moderator at Jubilee. Because that issue did come in, come up this year. And it was a possibility. Um, but I, I thought we would get some hate mail for that. I don't know. You could always do a, an experiment at some point during the day and walk a guy out onto the stage like somebody unknown and be like, okay, now we're going to hear from you know so-and-so and then just like watch to see how the crowd Actually, reacts and then say, to be oh, honest, I don't, think, group. I don't think anybody would really care. I mean, for me, the bigger thing is it, it takes away a speaking opportunity from someone in 
our sort of community. And I do think we take a chance, unlike other conferences, you know, yes, we have big names at our conference, but if you really dig deep into our lineup, we take a chance, we take chances on a lot of people who have never spoken at a conference before, never participated on stage like this before. And I like that we give people those opportunities. And I, the same reason I love what we do in the magazine, you know, we write about people that no one's ever heard of. And we write about really famous people and a lot of folks in between and the conference is the same way. Well, again, if you didn't get a ticket, there is a waiting list. Otherwise, there's going to be a little bit of content on Heritage Radio, but not much. So sorry. And, you know, get on the email, follow them on Instagram or Twitter at Cherry Bomb Mag. That's C-H-E-R-R-Y-B-O-M-B-E-M-A-G. They have a nice social media game. We are out of time, which makes me sad, but I'm happy that we had some time. At the end of each of my shows, I always ask my guests for a little piece of practical, actionable advice for listeners. So everybody gets a little something, something at the end. So I will ask each of you the same question. This weekend's event is about networking, and a lot of what you do is about networking. How do you make the most out of a cocktail party? Don't just go there and talk to your friends. I I mean, we're all guilty of that, but, but... Just step out of your comfort zone for a second and talk to somebody you don't know. How do you do that? You step out of your comfort zone <laughs> and you talk to somebody you don't know. It's not, you know, it's not easy. We're all, even the most extroverted among us, I think, would rather just stand there and talk to your friends and drink a glass of wine. Do you have a good um, standard icebreaker or introduction that you go to? Do you have I guess, a couple of go-to things? Oh, gosh, I wish I did. What about you, Claudia? What's your best advice for getting the most out of a cocktail party? Um, have some drinks, but not too many. That's good. <laughs> well, I think it's always nice um, to ask people. Wait, what's yours? What's mine? Mm. I typically say something like, oh, I always think these things are just like being at a wedding, right? We get an assigned seat. You kind of know people. You don't kind of know them. Are you bride or groom? You know, sort of liking it to another social activity where we'd be perhaps more connected. Sometimes I go with just a blatant, if you compliment somebody about something on their person, they will likely explain it to you and then start talking to you. So like Hmm. whatever it is, those are amazing shoes. I love that handbag. Where did you get that drink from? What are you eating? You know, oh, and then because people typically like to talk about themselves. And if you ask them a question that is not a yes or no question, then they have to sort of be more effusive. You know who's our patron saint of networking? Dig deep, Claudia. Lisa Fetterman. Lisa Q. (laughs) Fetterman, founder of Namiku. She, that uh, at home, I'm sure you've talked about that kickstarting legend kickstarting legend she is she really is just the model of how to work a room and how to network and how to make friends i mean she she will just go up to anybody and say hi and especially if you're somebody that she's read about or seen on social media and she wants to get to know you better she is absolutely fearless and she will just walk up and be like yo i love you i stalk you on social media you're the best i mean i i would never do that but but 
because of Lisa, like we've made friends, we've met people we wouldn't have met, and she's just kind of fearless. Yeah, maybe you should bring. Maybe the best advice is to bring someone like Lisa. <laughs> have a co- have yeah. someone riding shotgun, a wing person, a strong wing. I got to jump in. Me and Aaron do that all the time. We definitely <laughs> wing wing for each other. It's it's great, and you know what? I think we just came up with an idea for the San Francisco Jubilee. We are going to have Lisa be the official networking guru of the San Francisco Jubilee, so that if you come alone, all you have to do is find Lisa, and she will introduce you to other people in the room. You know, another thing is just ask. Like there, um, I definitely noticed a few people at Jubilee last year who were by themselves. And I grabbed them and I, I pulled them over to a table of people I knew and was like, hey, you know, everybody, this is so-and-so. And, um, you know, but but it's don't squander an opportunity. You know, I was at a party the other week and it was kind of filled with a lot of A-list people. And I, I was, Melissa Clark and I were kind of like hiding in a corner. We didn't know that many people. And we probably, and there weren't that many people in the room. We probably should have gone around and introduced ourselves to some of them, but you know, I got super shy and was like, Ugh, I got to get out of here. This is too nerve wracking. And that's stupid. You know, you don't always get an opportunity to be in a room with really amazing people. Take advantage of it. All good advice. All good advice. And hopefully some of our listeners will be putting that into use this weekend. If not, you know, there's a lot of events and things like that coming up over the course of the spring season. So don't be shy. And don't be shy about getting in touch with Tech Bytes. We are very social. We are very interactive. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TechBytesHRN or get in touch with us at TechBytesHRN at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We would love to hear from you, um, hear about apps, tech, things you love, things you want us to talk about. It would be great. I want to thank Claudia and Carrie for coming out to again this week to talk to us. It's exciting. Congratulations. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. You have to come on our show next. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. It's very different from moving just one seat to the left from being in the host seat and the guest seat. Um, it's a different experience. I think that also goes to you know talking about the audience and the people that you're with and also the role that you play in the experience. It seems like it wouldn't be that big a deal, but it, it's very different, isn't it? Well, and if you liked it, if you like this show, come back next week at 1 o'clock. If you loved it, go to iTunes, subscribe, download it, give us a five-star review. If you were completely enamored with it and can't live without it, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and give us some money because we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we keep the lights on with contributions from our members and sponsors. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. This is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.